Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Okay. Thank you. Freedom. This is what I call. Booked with a 12. Well, I want to say, I want to tell you, I want to say it when you can do what you want to do oh, and go where you want to go and live where you want to live and love who you want to love and be what you want.
This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks <laughs> for putting up with me. And uh, it, it's, it's been great. It's been a beautiful week, and I hope you guys join me next week. We're going to have some great guests for the show. And that's always fun. And um, <laughs> what am I looking for? Okay, the first thing... Out of the box is Irma. This horrific. The first thing. The first thing out of the box is Irma. This uh, hurricane is more powerful than anything. It might be more powerful than that of the uh, Harvey uh, hurricane that recently hit Texas, but this Irma is. I mean, it has already caused a lot of destruction. I, I mean, you can't really run into anybody who is anybody uh, not to think that this isn't uh, really, really uh, dangerous. And text, uh, they are bra- I'm not getting them confused. Miami is bracing. I'm hearing this weekend by Sunday, they're bracing for a uh, being uh, uh, the, the authorities are demanding that people evacuate, you know, up and around Miami, the Miami area. I had I had a guy on the show yesterday who was from Miami and he was telling me that um, he was hunkering down. I mean, he was go- as if he's going to stay and try to um, uh, uh, deal with it. But uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, if you try to stay and deal with it, I understand that uh, the authority says that's on you. But uh, I would evacuate. And, uh, you know, he was saying things like that. It didn't hit. He wasn't there yet. And probably he's going to wind up doing what everybody else is doing is evacuating. And. Yeah. And then there's some people uh, in the Caribbean are trying to ride out the storm. And then they're hearing there's nine people have perished. uh, uh, As this uh, storm hit. St. Martin, you know, that's one of the islands in the Caribbean. There's several. Uh, Some are trying to ride this hurricane out. You know, I mean, I don't think you can ride this hurricane out. I mean, people are dying. I mean, you know, I mean, escape, you know, get out of there. I mean, live another day, live to rebuild, live to live to uh, uh, be better next time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Get the hell out of there. It's your life. You don't want to die. I mean, you get you got too much to live for. So if the authorities say evacuate, move. <laughs> you know, this storm is not kidding. Uh, I, I, right now I'm speaking to the people in Miami uh, because the Caribbeans have already been ripped apart uh, in some areas. And like I said before, this is a, uh, the Caribbean's you know, epic damage, folks. This is epic damage, total carnage. That means deaths all over the place from this hurricane. A lot of things have been demolished, totally um, destroyed. Uh, and um, and it's impossible. Uh, you, 
power's out and everything, roofs coming off houses and stuff like that, Hurricane Irma, destruction heading for South Florida, you know, by this weekend. And I'm hearing that the that this hurricane is traveling 180 miles per hour. That is something. That is some strong wind, folks. I mean, wow. I mean, if you're in the if you're at the sound of my voice, get the hell out of there. Live for another day. You're young. You're bright. You're strong. You're you're capable. I mean, as I've said yesterday and a few days ago on this show, um, you can always rebuild. I mean, you lose your home. Hey, you know, it may not be that easy to buy another home or a, or 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 an apartment or a, a condo or, or or I don't know whatever you're living in. Um, but things take time. It really takes time. So, you know, live another day. I mean, this is, this is, and hey, you guys are going to be in our prayers. You know, this show is always about lifting up people in a positive way, no matter how much destruction and mayhem uh, may have been caused in your life. It, it's about that. It's about uh, making the world a better place. And the only way we can make a, make the world a better place is is for you to get out of there, evacuate. So when this thing is over, you can rebuild and start completely over, if at all possible. But you have to do that with a um, to think positive. You can't think negative. You can't just because you've lost everything or or just. About about lost everything doesn't mean you have to feel depressed, worthless, useless, or feel like God doesn't like you anymore. I mean, get on, get get on the ball, get driven, get motivated, have more ambition, and say this is not going to knock me back. This is not going to knock me out. I'm going to get better. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to be even better than before the hurricane came along and destroyed everything. A lot of people are thinking like that, and that's the way you should think. Those who are uh, who are um, drowning in their own tears because of this, I mean, you got to stop crying and get and get it together. You know, crying is not going to get you anywhere. Crying is going to just make things is going to make things a lot worse. Because if you're crying, you're moaning, you're feeling worthless, you're not going to have that drive to try to put things back together again. So you need to stay positive and you need to keep that positive energy and you need to keep positive people around you. Get rid of all the negative voices, you know, uh, and put people around you who are going to inspire you to be better, inspire you to rebuild your life. You know, you don't need the naysayers, the people who (laughs) can't support you or won't support you or want to see you in a negative light. You got to get those people out of your life because they're they're not going to do anything but laugh at you and your struggles. Surround yourself with positive people who the kind of people who's going to tell you that you can do it. You can make it. You're young. You're bright. You're strong. You're capable. You're talented. You're experienced. There's nothing in the world that cannot keep you from rebuilding and even becoming much better than you were before, as I've said before, the hurricane even hit, even hit. So there's a lot of things going on in the world, folks, that's just BS. It's just, 
there's so much going on in the world and it's so easy for us to just get depressed because of everything that's going on racism i mean white supremacists um klu klux klan nazi sympathizers you got the hurricanes on top of that you got we have the congress in america that you know they don't have any backbone or balls we got a president who doesn't know what the hell he's doing he's He's doing it by numbers. <laughs> wow. And then we have the dreamers that are being going to be deported within six months or something to that effect, just because it, it was an, just because it was an Obama initiative in the first place. And they're using the kids uh, to try to help to get rid of uh, Obama's legacy. That's all it is. Uh, so it's a lot of mess going on in the world. Don't, I can't forget North Korea. I mean, they keep on testing these nuclear weapons that can blow blow us all off the face of the earth. So I, I've said this before. I don't. I'm not. I don't advocate war. I don't like war. I don't want war. But North Korea is just North Korea, a rogue country, is just you know in the face of every other country. They are begging for war. They are instigating war by, by, and laughing at the rest of the world. And this is a small country. The United States can blow, blow that country to smithereens. But these people are, 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 are antagonizing. They're, they're prov provoking war. And I, and either the United States are going to either blow these people off the face of the earth, South uh, North Korea, going to blow North Korea off the face of the earth for their improvisation and their threats on America, or North Korea is going to blow some parts of the United States off the map with their nuclear weapons. And these guys keep testing these nuclear weapons every day, and they are an American foe. They can't stand America. Why? Because, I don't know, sanctions. <laughs> America has taken away a lot of the sanctions uh, from this country. There are sanctions. Not only America, but a lot of uh, countries in the world have taken away sanctions from North Korea. It, it's a rogue country. It's a, it's a country that's not just threatening, threatening America. It's a country that's threatening the world. And I do think, and I will say this, I, they should be, North Korea should be, blown off the face of the earth. I think so, because they've been testing these missiles, test threatening other countries for for a few years now, maybe a decade. And nobody's been saying anything. Of course people want to talk. They want a diplomacy. Let's talk. I don't think you can talk to this guy. Was it Kim Jong un or whatever it is? I don't think you can talk to this guy. I think this guy's dead set on trying to destroy America with a nuclear weapon. And the best thing America can do is say, hey, wow, we can't talk to this man. He doesn't want to negotiate. He doesn't want a peaceful ending to this. He wants war. I don't want war. I, I think war stinks, but this guy has to go. Kim Jong-un, North Korea, he has to go. Because as long as he's there, he's going to be uh, testing these missiles. And who knows? If, it, if it's not the United States, it could be 
a territorial uh, area belonging to the United States. This guy is serious about, I mean, he, he, if you've seen the guy, he looks like he's 19 or 20 years old. He, I mean, he's standing by these uh, missiles, these nuclear weapons, as if they're, you know, cotton candy or something, you know. <laughs> he is, um, he's crazy. He's a loony, you know, and he's going to blow something up sooner or later. I mean, you don't test this many missiles uh, at at this limited time, so many missiles at this limited time just to be doing something. And Iran, we we can't forget about Iran. They've, they've got nuclear weapons too, and they're testing them too. So, but I think North Korea has to be made an example of. Uh, you know, I mean, I think they should be blown off the first of the earth because if, if you don't go after them first, they're gonna come over here. If we don't go get them first, they're going to come over here, and when I say they're going to come over here, they're going to uh, have one of their missiles uh, 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 dropped on the United States somewhere. You know, you can try and talk all you want to. I mean, that's great. That's good, but I just don't think this guy wants to talk. He doesn't seem like the person who wants to talk. Talking does nothing. And I know some of you heard about Dennis Rodman, the ex-basketball player, the ex-bull basketball player. He used to play with a lot of teams back in the 80s and 90s, I guess. Uh, he, he's a guy who looks ridiculous and walks around and with a ring in his nose. He was over there a few times trying to talk to Kim Jong-un. I, I thought they was fast friends or something. He was over there. At one report, I heard that he was over there trying to teach him basketball. Yeah, he was trying to teach him basketball, um, but he hasn't played basketball. I'm I'm thinking in 20, 30 years or something to that effect or more. But um, Dennis Rodman, the, the showman, I think he, I believe Dennis Rodman back in the 90s made at least two movies. One was pretty good. The other one was awful, I heard. But anyway, uh, Dennis Rodman, wait, if he's over there, uh, and and he's supporting this guy, you know. I mean, he should probably stay over there, you know. I mean, uh, but I don't I don't think he supports what what Kim Jong Un is doing. However, I do think that this guy, this guy, should be blown off the face of the earth because if he isn't blown off the face of the earth, then he's going to blow someone else, some other country, off the face of the earth with this nuclear weapon. He doesn't care anything about any other country, period. South Korea, I mean, you, you, you can name it. He doesn't care anything about any other country. He just loves those missiles as if they're uh, cotton candy or something, you know. And uh, I mean, you can tell that by just looking at the photo, photos that uh, they uh, send out from North Korea. So I don't know. So we'll see where that goes, folks. But uh, anyway, the world is in a mess and uh, a lot of people are feeling depressed and, and don't. <laughs> I would say do not feel depressed. I mean, if, if where you are is safe, there's no floods, there no, there's no bombs falling or anything, the best thing you can do is help to try to make the world a better place. Get out there, get, in, get involved and try to uh, 
give do your little part in trying to make things better. You know, you can't make things better if you're down and depressed and uh, with a feeling of worthlessness. You can't do anything like that. You know, yeah, I, I don't. Um, I think it's a mess too. I think the world is a mess also. But I'm not feeling depressed about it. I, uh, you know, I, the only thing I'm trying to do is. I'm still here. I'm, I still have my strength and my sensibilities. And um, I'm here to try to make the world a better place. I mean, that's what we have to do. We are the people. The, it's the people who's going to have to do it, you know, make the world a better place. In any way we can, in any way we can. And, and a lot of times it doesn't mean giving up, giving out money. It could be your time, your efforts, your abilities. You can say something nice to someone. And all of that plays a part in helping to make the world a better place. Try to get people to understand. Try to get people to realize that they are a part of what's going on, regardless of, of, of what, kind of a what kind of religious affiliation they belong to. You are a part of what's going on. And you have to get out there and too. You know, uh, it's going to take us. It's not going to take Congress. It's not going to take President Donald Trump. I very seldom say President Donald Trump. Majority of time, if I'm talking about Trump, it's always, I'm always using Trump instead of President Trump. A lot of us use Trump. Some people say a lot of other nasty things <laughs> about Donald Trump. But um, he's the president, whether we like it or not. He's the president of all people, whether he likes it or not. And, you know, I mean, it's going to take all of us to um, places. I mean, we can't sit back on our couches and, and in our homes and apartments and condos and say, hey, let them deal with it. Everyone has to deal with it. We have to be a part of it. We are people. It, the world is full of people. And it's going to be people who are going to have to try to make this a re reality. We got to get rid of the bomb, get rid of, rid of nasty people who are in Congress. We have to get rid of um, hate. We got to get rid of all of that. It's here and it's blatant and it's in your face. There's no hiding from it. It's here. All right, you've been listening to George Wilder Jr. Uh, be nice to one another out there. It's, it is so easy. You know, making the world a better place, and that's easy. One show at a time. Doing the show, those who value people over profits will profit from those people. I always say that because I always believe that. I always will believe that. Let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to what? him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, 
to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? You when tell someone them, Anna. shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No people. You tell them, Anna. Yeah, I was just got through saying, folks, Florida is in the eye of the storm. You may know more about that than I do, but they're talking about landfall in Miami, Florida and around Miami, Florida for for Sunday. For Sunday is when this Irma, this hurricane is is supposed to hit, according to the weather outlets. And uh, Florida, the governor of Florida has declared that state an emergency. Boarded up homes, several people, several hundred people, it should be several thousand people actually, or millions of people, have been ordered to evacuate. And as I speak, we've got, we have people right now uh, coming from Florida to Chicago. Uh, yeah, we've got people, I mean, there's all kind of cameras and videos and, 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 and uh, footage of this happening where uh, people are uh, residents of Florida, Miami, Florida, and other parts of Florida arriving in Chicago. I would think that Florida residents are probably arriving in cities all over America, all over America. And uh, that, that's a, a pretty good thing. I mean, that is, <laughs> that, that's accepting. Because as I've said before on the show, show, there's nothing as great as Americans helping Americans. And a lot of people are uh, catching those flights and getting on those airplanes and coming to uh, other American cities from Florida. It's free. They don't even have to pay. Some do. But uh, it depends on your circumstances, I'm I'm assuming. But uh, even the government of Florida, governor, they want to get people out of there. So I'm pretty sure uh, if there's folks around there who can't afford the uh, the the uh, dollars or the fare or the airfare, I'm pretty sure there are some um, ways of getting around that because you want to get people out of there. And people are saying, well, I have a relative in Montana. I have a relative in San Diego. I have a relative in Evanston or whatever. And uh, 
you know, um, they will find a way to get those folks out of harm's way, even if the fair is free, but, you know, nothing's free. <laughs> I try to tell my son that all the time, nothing's free, nothing free, not even the air you breathe. Anyways, you, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio at 628. Uh, it's Thursday, and Amazon is back in the news there. I mean, Amazon is always in the news, taking over something, <laughs> buying somebody out, uh, raising its prices. And <laughs> if you order something from Amazon, you either got to get Prime or you're going to be waiting all damn year to get your package. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And um, it's great. It's wonderful. I love being on the radio. I, love, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I said something about Amazon. Yeah, they, um, they're they buying up everything. I mean, this is <laughs> uh, they're trying to take over Walmart now. I mean, it, it's just uh, they've already bought up all the Whole Foods stores. Uh, we stopped in there the other day. Some of the prices are down at, at Whole Foods. Some of them are down, and some of them are just slightly down, you know. But uh, uh, in order to get shoppers, I mean, a magnitude of shoppers, in some of these Whole food stores, um, uh, they're just going to have to, you know, uh, hear about it. Some people haven't heard about it that Amazon has bought uh, Whole Foods and that Whole Foods, and they've dropped some of the prices on those, some some of those items. Because when Whole Foods was Whole Foods, I mean, you take, I mean, they will take your whole check, your whole paycheck, just to buy a pack of chicken, you know. So the prices had to come down. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Let's go to the phones right here, folks. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hello, my name is Lisa Overcast. Lisa Overcast, yeah, uh, you're you're a children's uh, author. I am. I sure am. Can you tell? Can you give us a little bio of yourself and um, yes, I'd tell us about to. your writing and all that kind. Of- uh, tell us about your sure. writing and all of that. Okay, it's, go right ahead. Exactly. It's my pleasure. Again, my name is Lisa Overcast. Sometimes people yeah, when get I saw, excuse me, when, well, Overcast. Excuse me, when I, it's Overcast over, with an H. With an H? Yes. Ends in an H. Okay. Okay, go right ahead. It's, it's that not helps. uncommon for it to be mistaken for a different word. It's no problem. Anyway, I am um, an author of a children's book that was recently uh, released. The name of the children's book is My Forever Family. And how this came to be is I professionally am a wellness coach, a yoga fitness instructor, a Thai yoga uh, practitioner, and now this author of this book. And one of the things that was very special to me is my little Yorkshire Terrier dog. She is very significant to me. She is my emotional support dog. And I have multiple sclerosis. And she has helped me greatly over the years. And so in honor of her and my family, I was led to write a children's book. It's an illustrated children's book. And again, the title is My Forever Family. And that's F-U-R-E-V-E-R. And what this book is, it's told from the voice of the dog. And in the book, the dog is leaving, or the puppy, I should say, is ready to leave her litter. And her um, 
the owner of the litter or the father is called Big Daddy. So in her st- this story, that the voice of the book, she talks about how her Big Daddy gives her lots of love along with her brothers and sisters, but they're all a little afraid to leave the litter. And they want to be able to go to a home that someone's going to love them. So the story progresses as she leaves the litter and she's picked up by this family and she describes the different experiences that she has within this new family. She learns that she has four human sisters. She learns that um, she has the opportunity to learn about things she'd never seen before, like riding in an automobile and what that experience was like, about being introduced to these new little sisters that she has. And then <laughs> she learned things like lessons that the children are learning. So it's very helpful for parents to read with the children as part of some of the schedules that children find themselves in. As we know, most children's function very uh highly under a routine and actually thrive better under a routine so the dog watches them Mm -hmm. go through their routine and things like taking a bath and reading stories and and um, there's some some adventures where the dog goes through that the story takes you through and she explains how it's kind of fun and it's kind of scary so the book also gives the opportunity to see the children praying and doing this bedtime routine as well And eventually you learn that she has a wonderful life and that she is very much loved. Wow, this sounds like a great children's book. I mean, you've got, it's such a, uh, it sounds like a a real uh, wonderful premise to the book. How is the book being received? I am finding that many people like it. They really are a mm-hmm. fan of the Yorkshire Terrier because she, you know, I think because she comes across so loving and friendly, and it has an adaptation too for children that are a little afraid about being adopted. Older children, mm-hmm. making sure uh-huh. they're put into a family that is wanting them, making sure the family loves them, and a lot of children go through this feeling even if they are in a family they want to be loved they want to have this opportunity to to learn and i have a facebook page called my forever family facebook page and Mm -hmm. i get a lot of interest in that because you can see the different activities that the book is going under we have um the dog and i when we do a reading we go together she and i go and the children get a chance to meet the dog and I read the story, and we talk about a lot of things, about things that they do wow. in their life relating to the story, or we talk about how important it is to take good care of your pets that you have at home. And, yeah. and then afterwards, the dog shares a few tricks, and uh, they get a chance to pet the dog and hold the dog, which is always fun for the children as well. And we also visit Lisa. hospital. She's a therapy dog, yes. Lisa, uh, can you share uh, just a little bit of the book with us, maybe a paragraph or so? Sure. Sure. Okay. I'll share a little bit here and there. Um, yeah. So the first part, I'm kind of like beginning, middle a bit. So the first part mm-hmm. is, I was born in a white house with red brick steps and a big backyard. I live mm-hmm. with my mommy, daddy, and litter mate. Big daddy took good care of us. He said that families would soon adopt us. I was a little scared, but Big Daddy said they would give us good homes and lots of love. So the lady comes to 
to the door and she and the puppy says, oh, the woman had a sweet, happy voice. She said, do you want to play too? I wanted to play, but I was too shy. Lovingly, she said, let's just snuggle. Wow, did I like that. She cuddled me close to her face and said, I like you best. You're going home with me. I'm so glad you're my new baby. So a few things go along and the adventures of being in the car and meeting the children and the family. And one of the the cute part of it is uh, the opportunity for the children during bath time. And Mm -hmm. the puppy's watching this bath time. And this little puppy says, "Uh, Mommy told the girls it's bath time and bedtime. Tonight you can take a bath in Mommy's big tub. In seconds, the girls were in the tub. I hoped I wasn't next. I had my first bath this morning, and I didn't like it. These human puppies played with toys, splashed the water, sang songs, blew bubbles, and ducked their faces under the water. I think they even liked it. Wow, that sounds great. It sounds sounds really refreshing. Uh, Wow, it sounds like a great book. Where can we find it? I mean, we know it's published, so if we... If someone's listening to the they Amazon. want to go get the book, how Amazon.com. Okay. Where else? Do you have yes, a website? It's on Amazon. Yes, mm-hmm. you can buy it through me also. My website is embracingwellnesscoach.com. Mm-hmm. Embracingwellnesscoach.com. One of the things that I do that I have done through the mail in addition to its signings is mm-hmm. I sign as well as the dog gives her Paul Prince her paw print signature. Oh, that's unusual, but it's creative. Exactly. <laughs> that was my goal. Something unusual, something oh. creative. Yeah. Something that'll catch the people's eye, you know. Exactly. Trying to find something unique about this book as well. Yeah. So it I is. It, it sounds like a very... It's a lot of fun. Go right ahead. It's got some yeah. nice lessons. It has family. Mm-hmm. And it has faith. Mm-hmm. All the things that we often want it, in our lives to share with our children and family. It does sound like it's fun. It does sound like fun because while you're describing the book, I'm smiling. And it does sound like fun. It's, it's nothing like uh, uh, making writing fun. Exactly. And we want yeah. to develop the desire for our young children to read. So yeah. it's so important yeah. to have yeah. that opportunity early in life to have those pleasures mm-hmm. with their family members. And, and even before you can read, the book is written in a way that even if you can't read, you have someone to read to you. And then as you mature in your education, you will eventually be able to read it yourself. So it's written on, an, uh, I would say, an elementary school level. And yeah. so that, that child, you know, by the time they learn to read, they will have been read this book to them for a lengthy period of time, years, and then yeah. over time they will slowly be able to master those words themselves. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Lisa Overcash on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank you so much for doing this show. <laughs> I'm going to go get that book for my child. And I hope everybody Wonderful. listening to this show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds great. And I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. You have a blessed evening. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Lisa Overcash on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I mean, the book, I'm seriously, I think the book is, it sounds great. So if you're out there, I mean, you're listening and 
and everything, and you you have children, go buy this book because she seems sounds like a wonderful children's author. All right, back to back to the show. Let's go here. Okay, you're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Yeah, this is Dr. John DeGarmo. I I, knew, I said I knew you called back. Thanks for calling back, Hank. Thanks for holding on. And give Don't us worry. a little bit of your bio. Uh, give us a little bit of your bio and tell us a little bit about yourself and stuff like that. Sure. Thanks for asking. I'm a, I've been a foster and adoptive parent for the past 15 years. I have had over 50 children come through my home. I've had as many mm-hmm. as 11 children in my house at the same time. I've even adopted had, children? Uh, oh, no, a combination of foster, adoptive, and biological. Foster and adopted. Okay. Right. Well, and foster, had, and, foster and, and, and biological. Correct, correct. All, all the above, yes, at 11 a time at one point. And I even had seven in diapers at one point at the same time wow. with those seven kids. Uh, I have uh, I would travel the country and the globe training foster parents and training people about child sex trafficking and adoption. And I've written several books and have really devoted every aspect of my life to helping not only the children in the foster care system, but general society understand this that not everybody can be a foster parent. It's the hardest thing I've done. But everybody can help in some way. Everybody can help a child in need in some way. A little bit about myself there. Okay, um, Dr. DiGamo, I am a foster parent. I've been a foster parent, and it's not easy. You know, it's no. not easy being a foster parent. It, it, because I've been one for uh, uh, several months, and then we decided to adopt a child. Very good, and Very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you're talking to someone who knows about a little something about that, right? And right. It, right. You know, um, sometimes you know, sometimes you can really, um, you know, I mean, you're adopting or you're foster caring a child who may, who biological parents may have been on drugs or in jail or Correct. something to that effect, and some of that may come off on child. So how would you deal with that? Well, you know, there's 500,000 children in foster care on any given day in the United States. I, I know. I know. Everybody's right. like that. Yeah. Right. And, um, but mainly, and there's a rise in foster care right now because mainly of the opiate crisis. You know, so many more people okay. are becoming okay. addicted to this opiate um, epidemic. You know, 60,000 60, people died last year due to opiates in America. Uh, and these children are having some place to go. And so uh, what most people don't realize is this, and you know this, you know this as a foster parent. Mm-hmm. When the children yeah. come to our homes, they are terrified. They don't know who we are. We are perfect strangers for them. It's a very traumatic experience being placed into a foster care home. So when these children are coming from um, homes that uh, due to neglect or abuse or drug abuse or whatever it may be, whatever it may be, what the children need most is time, patience, compassion, and that unconditional love that most most people have never given them. So as a foster parent yourself and myself, we both know that these children just need someone to love them and to protect them and keep them safe. I totally agree. Uh, someone to love them, someone that's going to actually be a mother and father to them. Uh, because when we uh, uh, went into foster care, we wanted, we wanted someone that we could love, someone who we could make a good life for. And uh, I think we've done it. You know, I think we have done it. Um, uh, it but there's not enough people out hard. there. Who are willing, 
<laughs> it, it, sure, it's very hard when you when you bring children yeah. into your home who have suffered, mm-hmm. you know, abuse and trauma and neglect, and uh, they're coming into your home and they have those anxieties and they're facing those traumas. So it's it's sure it's challenging for foster parents and. And these children don't want to be in our homes those first few days and nights of placement. They want to go back to that area of abuse. They want to go back to their mommy and daddy. Your home is not their norm. Your rules and yeah. your structure, that's not their normal way of life. And they don't know who you are. Yeah. They're sleeping in a strange bed. They're, they have a strange yeah. bathroom to go to at night. They're probably going to a strange school. It's very hard for those children to, to adjust. Yeah, I, I I can see that. <laughs> I can see it. So how would you bring them around to adjusting to the way to you bring them around to your environment, uh, which is not as abusive as the one that they left? Well, hopefully there's not abusive at all whatsoever in our home. Well, you know, you've really got to just be very, very patient with them, very, very kind yeah. um, and just very understanding and, and allow them time to grieve. You know, you have to. I've held so many children in my arms those first two, three nights where they're just crying themselves to sleep, asking me questions like, when will I go home? When do I see my mommy next? Will my mommy not love me anymore? Uh, how long am I, will I stay here? You just have to allow them to grieve, to grieve the separation uh, being, uh, from, from their parents. Again, those parents may have done horrible things to them. We've had some children in our house who have suffered just uh, – earth-shattering crimes against them, children of sexual abuse, children yeah. of physical abuse, yeah. children who have been abandoned on their birthdays, you know, the list goes on and wow. on. Um, That's sad. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't think society really understands um, that, you know, before I was a foster parent, uh, 15, 16, 17 years ago, I had those misconceptions yeah. about foster care. Mm-hmm. I thought that children were bad kids. I thought foster parents I did were too. Weird. Yeah, yeah. And I also thought foster parents are weird people. But you know what? That That is a little bit true. You and I have to be a little bit weird to do what we do. <laughs> it, it's not a normal uh, lifestyle, is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I never thought of myself as being weird. I thought of myself as just, you know, uh, uh, adopting, foster caring, adopting, uh, making a, a life for a, a child that wasn't wanted, making a life for a child that we had the finances to do so with and uh, that's that's i just wanted to give someone else a better life you know you're very and you and those children are very very fortunate sadly there's not enough people mm -hmm. who who are willing to step up and do that most people say to me yeah they say dr john i couldn't do what you do it would hurt too much to give the kids back and my response is this well that's how it's supposed to be our hearts are supposed to break when these children leave our homes because we, when they come to our home, they become our children, they become our members of our family, and we love them so much, because that's what they need, that when they do leave, our hearts break. But they need us to hurt for them. They need us to love them so much that when they do go back to their biological family members or adopted or whatever it may be, that our hearts break. Yeah, I, I understand. When we were foster caring for I I did not want to give him back. There was no way I was going to get him back. That's why we adopted him. And as he got older, I wanted him to meet and greet his adopted, his his actual biological uh, parents. But somehow he wasn't interested in meeting his um, uh, biological parents. Sure, sure. I, I've adopted three from foster care. And um mm-hmm. Two of them feel the same way. I'm sorry, that's not true. One of them feels the same way. Two of them are 
biological siblings, and they are third-generation foster care, which means yeah. their their parents and their grandparents were also in the foster care system. Uh, but, you know, we live in a very small yeah. town of about 2,000 people, so wherever we go, we see mm. birth parents of the children. Very hard. Yeah. I wanted him to uh, meet his biological parents. I wanted him to uh, know that he has uh, siblings elsewhere in the world. Right. But right. he just didn't care about – yeah, that is very important. I wanted him to do it, and he was at an age where he could make his own decisions to whether – because I had the wherewithal and the information and the documentation of finding his biological parents and getting them to know – that he's okay and he can even visit them, you know, be a part of their lives. But somehow sure. this guy, this guy wasn't interested in that. And, and the moment I found out he wasn't interested in finding and locating his biological family, then I wasn't interested in it anymore. But you know what? There will come a time, there will come a point mm-hmm. where he will be interested in that. It's very normal. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. healthy. Um, and it's, it's, it's their the curiosity will come around at some point where, you know, the, where's my origins? Where am I from? Even if it's just later on in life when they have um, issues of health coming up to, you know, what's my health status, my biological family. Mm-hmm. I'm actually dealing with a friend right now who's 51 years of age mm-hmm. and he's trying to seek his adoptive parents. Um, you know, it's normal. That's normal. What is, what is hurtful though, is those mm-hmm. parents who do not share with their children that they're adopted. I, I unfortunately had somebody uh, in Texas recently say to me, Dr. John, I've, I've had this child for, since birth, and they're now uh, 14 years of age, and when should I tell mm-hmm. them that they were adopted? And I said, uh, yesterday. You know, they have to know that. <laughs> they have to know that information. So your son is better off now knowing that he is adopted, so there won't be questions of, tr- of trust later on. But again, he will want to know at some point, most likely, um, that journey. But but you're right about one thing. A lot of parents, a lot of adopted parents, they do not want their children, their adopted children, to know that they're adopted. They're, they want the children to think of their biological parents, and I think that's wrong. Well, that'll, you know, when they find out, and they will find out at some point mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that their parents never told them, they will question everything else. Well, what else did my parents hide from me? You mean all my life I've been yeah. living a lie? No, are my parents hiding yeah. something else from me? So that can cause tremendous damage to a family and the relationships in that family. Mm-hmm. All right, can we talk about your books? What kind of books do you write and what's available? Oh, thanks for asking. I've got several books. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I have, the, I have uh, my newest one is called Faith and Foster Care, How We Impact God's okay. Kingdom. And that is a book for... Uh, that is a book for people who are um, interested in, in helping children in foster care. It talks about how God's calling people of faith to help the children in foster care in some fashion. Again, not everybody can be a foster parent, but everybody can help mm-hmm. in some way. And I believe that this is the yeah. faith-based group, and the church's next mission field is, is the 500,000 kids in America. I have a very yeah. relevant book called Keeping Foster Children Safe Online. That's really a book for anybody who has children, whether it's okay. grandchildren, their own children, anybody who has children. Because it talks about all the many, many dangers that children today, right now, face with social media, with online technology. You know, so far this year, sadly, so many kids have gone online and are committing suicide on social media for other people to to watch. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, that's, and, and um, we, we talk about that in the book. And child sex trafficking mm-hmm. is becoming a much bigger crime in America. Three hundred thousand yeah. kids in America. Child sex trafficking. 
So uh, those are two of my books. I have many, many other ones. Child sex trafficking is 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 a billion dollars industry, and I see it all the time. I've 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 uh, you know uh, watched uh, young children. Uh, uh, go to school and suddenly they've grown up and, you know, they're doing, uh, they're in some sort of sex ring or something. It, it, it's sad to see. Uh, uh, it is sadly the, that, uh, yeah. it is sadly the second largest industry globally, Yeah, is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we think here in America, oh, it doesn't happen here. Of course it happens here. Do you oh, know of course when... It does. Do you know when the biggest week of child sex trafficking is in the United States of America? No, I don't. That is the week of the Super Bowl. Wherever the Super Bowl is held at, wherever its location at the United States, that week, that city has the biggest week of trafficking in the United States. As, as pimps and predators bring those children in by the hundreds uh, for the entertainers, for the athletes, for all the people who show up at the Super Bowl. Wow, that should be illegal. (laughs) That's something that uh, we in America just don't want to acknowledge or talk about it because it's an ugly secret. It's just too ugly to to even accept. I I live an hour south from Atlanta, and Atlanta is the largest city of uh, child sex trafficking in the nation, yet Atlanta doesn't want to recognize it either. Yeah. So how do you think we're going to have to – how do you think we combat it? Oh, you've got to get much harsher with with the laws. You have to mm-hmm. um, you have to educate parents. You've got to educate parents. Parents have to understand that uh, their child their child that's in need is going online looking for love, looking for someone to accept them, and that's where the predators are. Parents need to start monitoring their children's um, online activity. Um, children need support. They need someone to love them. Most of these kids are coming from broken homes. Most of these kids have been okay. abused. Previously, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. those children who are, who fall victims of child sex trafficking. Sixty-five percent of victims in America uh, come from the foster care system, so that's a, a real problem. Real problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor John Magama on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Can you uh, tell us where we can find your books and websites, and people want to get in touch with you? Oh, you're very kind. Thank you for asking. Simply go no to. Uh, simply just Google the Foster Care Institute. The Foster Care mm-hmm. Institute. And my website will come up, or Google Dr. John DeGarmo Foster Care, and that'll come up there as well. And whether you're a foster parent or an adoptive parent or just somebody interested in helping children in need, my website has lots of videos, articles, resources, radio programs, et cetera, et cetera, um, for you to find information on. Yeah, you know, uh, being an adoptive parent uh, and a foster care parent, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go and go to your website and find out if there's some things I can still learn from this, you, you know, because I just love kids. I love whether they're biological or, or, or foster or adoptive. I love children and I love trying to make their lives a little bit better than what they have already seen. So I'm going to go okay. to your website and check out Let's a lot of it. information and I may just download your book, you know, check some things out. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for, thank you for, uh, for caring for children in need and being an advocate. All right. Thank you for doing this show. Bye-bye. No worries. Thank you. All right. All right. Lisa Overcash and Dr. John Garmo, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We are going to do this and we will be right back. Mr. President. Senator from California. 
Senator Carper, it's interesting. You talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-violently. Mr. President. Senator from California. Senator Carper, it's interesting. You talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it. But when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, pleased to meet you, the greeting back is, I see you. I see you. And I think that really is part of our concern here. Do we see the people who will be impacted in the way that they are actually living their lives? And do we understand, if we see them, that this bill will not be in their best interests? And right now, for example, we know 13 senators, all Republicans are crafting a bill, and this bill would restructure our nation's entire health care system, which when you add up what Americans can spend on hospitals, doctors, prescription drugs, and all the rest, we understand that it makes up one-sixth of our economy. It would affect the lives of everyone, our parents, grandparents, those who are in need of caregiving, our children struggling with asthma or opioid abuse, our spouses who may be battling cancer. And what is equally distressing is that this bill is being written in secret. The chairman of the Finance Committee says he has not seen the bill. The Secretary of Health and Human Services says he has not seen the bill. The American people, the people we all represent, have certainly not seen the bill. Well, I think the American people deserve better. This bill is being written entirely along partisan lines without any attempt to bring Democrats on board. And the American people deserve better. This bill is being written and rushed through the Senate with hardly any time to debate the cost or the details of this proposal. And the American people deserve better. Now I remember when our colleagues across the aisle said the Affordable Care Act was being rammed down the American people's throats in the middle of the night. Well, the ACA went, in fact, through 106 public hearings. It incorporated more than 170 Republican amendments. The whole process took an entire year. But this health care plan involves no hearings, no bill text, and no transparency at all. As United States Senators, we were sent here to represent the American people. Represent the American people. We answer to the American people. So why are my colleagues from across the aisle trying to put one over on the American people? I've met folks all across California and this country, and they see what's happening. They know that if this bill were as wonderful 
as its proponents would like us to believe, it would be out in the open. The American people deserve greater transparency. But even though the authors of this proposal have tried to conceal the details of their plan, we know enough to know this bill would be nothing short of a disaster. We know because we have been told that it's about 80% the same as the bill that was passed by the House, a bill so catastrophic that even the President of the United States, who hailed its passage, now calls it, quote, mean. We know that it would throw 23 million Americans off their health insurance within a decade, including putting four to five million Californians at risk of losing coverage. We know it would raise costs for middle-class families and seniors. In every county of California, average monthly premium costs would go up while financial support to pay premiums would fall. We know it would put Americans with pre-existing conditions at risk and leave people who need maternity care or opioid treatment without coverage or force them to pay huge out-of-pocket costs. We know it would cut about $834 billion for Medicaid, which means less money for families to pay for nursing homes, to support children with special needs, or to treat substance abuse. <coughs> Bless you. And that is another reason we need the Affordable Care Act <laughs> to be in place in a way that we fix what's wrong, but we mend what's broken and not repeal it all together. I recently visited, Mr. President, a really remarkable treatment clinic in Los Angeles. It's called the Martin Luther King Jr. Outpatient Center. Everyone from the doctors to the patients can tell you that when 46,000 Californians excuse me, 4,600 Californians are dying every year from substance abuse and opioid overdoses. It is wrong and irrational to cut Medicaid. So it really makes you wonder, why would anyone support this bill? How does this bill help real people with real challenges? At a healthcare rally in Los Angeles back in January, I met a woman named Tanya. Before the ACA, She'd sign up for insurance just long enough to see a doctor. She'd then have a few tests done and fill a prescription. Then she would realize she couldn't, couldn't pay and couldn't afford to pay for the insurance beyond that. And she said it's, quote, the worst feeling in the world to have to tell your doctor who is trying to make you well that you cannot afford the treatment prescribed. Tanya told me, quote, before the Affordable Care Act, Living without health coverage was a nightmare in this country. But she went on to say that has all changed. And thanks to the ACA, I can now see a doctor when I need to, monitor my condition, and stay healthy so I can keep working and contribute to our nation's economy. If my colleagues in Congress, and she referred to them as if the Republicans in Congress repeal the law, I don't know what I will do. So I ask. How does the Republican health care plan help Tanya? Another woman, Krista, told me, quote, I am married with four children, none of whom, and one of whom is a 10-year-old type 1 diabetic. He requires daily active insulin management to stay alive, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
She went on to say health care is not optional for us. Even with health insurance, diabetes management is the type of thing that can bankrupt you. With health insurance, I can't imagine what I would do. She went on to say the ACA is a huge relief for my family. So I ask, how does this bill help Krista and her family? Then there's Rhett in Marin County. More than seven years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Rhett is nine years old. He says, cancer cells are the bad guys. This is what he wrote me. For three and a half years, I took chemo to get the bad guys out. I had more than 1,000 doses of chemotherapy. My parents had to tell my sister that I might die of cancer. And then he went on to write, thanks to my doctors and nurses, my family and friends, my church and my community, and the Affordable Care Act. Now I'm, and then he writes, gone with the cancer. I have a pre-existing condition. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, my parents don't have to worry about losing coverage. A nine-year-old Rhett is showing us the way. But how does this bill help Rhett? Now, I don't know the party affiliation of any of these folks. I don't know if they're Democrats. I don't know if they're Republicans. I don't know if they're independents. I don't know if they're members of the Green Party. I'm not asking them those questions. I'm asking them, how are you doing? What's helping you? What do you need? And how will this impact you? And I know that I'm just one of two senators that they have. And when it comes to their needs and their need to be represented in the United States Congress and their need to be heard and their need to be seen, party affiliation should not matter. What should matter are the needs of the American people. And regardless then of who they vote for in a partisan election, I am certain of this. This health care plan that is being proposed by my colleagues from across the aisle will not solve their problems. And it will only create, in fact, more problems and potentially devastate people's lives. So to my colleagues, I say, this shouldn't be a matter of supporting this bill automatically if you're a Republican or objecting just because you're a Democrat. This is about what's right and what's wrong. If you know this bill is bad, stand up and stop it. Speak that truth. Now is not the time to keep quiet and hope nobody notices. Forget the politics. Forget partisan pressure and talk radio and primary ads. Instead, just listen to the voices of the American people. Not just in California, but in Nevada, in Arizona, in Ohio, in Alaska, in Maine, in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia. Because they have made themselves overwhelmingly clear. Only 20% of Americans support this bill. A majority opposes it in every state in this country. It is the least 
popular piece of legislation in modern history. I'm asking you to think about the American people. I'm asking you to think about Tanya, think about Krista, think about Rhett living with leukemia since he was just two and a half years old, undergoing two and a half hour infusions every night with such incredible bravery. Let the determination of Americans like Rhett bring us together, a nine-year-old boy who tells us in his words, don't repeal the Affordable Care Act, improve it. Because we all agree the ACA can be improved. It must be improved. It isn't perfect. And I am ready to work with anyone who really wants to make it better. Instead of playing politics, instead of playing politics with public health and people's lives, we can actually work together to strengthen our health care system. In fact, I'm proud to have recently co-sponsored a bill with Senator Dianne Feinstein and a number of my Democratic colleagues. Our bill would make it safer and easier for middle-class Americans to buy insurance if they currently don't qualify for any help paying their premiums. These are the kind of solutions Democrats can get behind. These are the kinds of solutions that would help and not hurt the people we represent. We took an oath to represent all the people. So I am asking every member of this chamber to think long and hard about the consequences of this bill. Think about the responsibility we've been entrusted with. We owe it to the American people to tell the truth, not to hide it. We owe it to the American people to solve real problems, not to manufacture new ones. <laughs> well, tell that to Donald Trump. Okay, let's get back to uh, Miami is in the worst position. Okay, like I said before at the uh, beginning of the show, I was talking to a guest on the show yesterday, and he was from Miami. And uh, we talked about uh, him getting out. And um, uh, anyway, if you want to know uh, uh, what was said, and it was interesting, then you can just podcast the show. All right. Anyway, Miami is in the worst position possible. The Hurricane Irma lashes. While forecast puts Miami in line for a direct hit. Miami is in line for a direct hit. So all of my listeners and friends and and just people in general, good people in general, get out. I mean, you you don't want to be around uh, when this thing comes. You know, you don't want to be around. Believe me. As I said earlier, I mean, you can always rebuild uh, stay positive, stay, stay driven, and have more ambition than you ever had in the world. But you have to get out. You have to get out. There is no way you can ride this storm out. You will die, according to what I'm uh, looking at right now, what I'm hearing at. It's saying that Miami is in line for a direct hit. Okay. Irma pounds Turks. 
threatens Miami. And they, the weather people got this, this image, this, uh, this graphic up here, and it's really, really uh, impressive showing the, uh, the line that the hurricane is going to be traveling. Uh, uh, it's going to weaken, uh, from what I'm looking at, it's going to weaken, but uh, it, it's, it still is going to hit Miami with a directness. So get out while you can. Okay, uh, conditions. Hurricane Irma move on the islands, continuing tracking south towards, continuing tracking south Florida where it could slam Miami this weekend. Okay. The Hurricane Center forecast move the most likely path of the eye of the storm to the west in its 5 p.m. advisory. So Florida is in the eye of the storm. It may be a little weakened by the time it hits Florida, but it will still be an impressive storm. State of emergency, evacuate. A lot of people have boarded up their homes. Irma pounds the Caribbean, St. Martin's, and other islands in the Caribbean. Uh, and you got some people trying to ride the storm out no matter what. I mean, they're like Captain Bly. I mean, if the ship goes down, they're going to go down with the ship. That's ridiculous. Abandon ship. Live for another day. Live to rebuild. You know, and as, as I've said, uh, keep positive people around you. Keep the kind of people around you uh, uh, and help you and encourage you in rebuilding your life after this storm goes and you've lost everything, your home, uh, uh, your city, um, uh, through no thought of your own. Live to, I mean, live to rebuild. You know, don't try to ride this thing out. If you're listening at the sound of my voice, folks in Miami, don't try to ride this thing out. If the governor says evacuate, evacuate. If the police department says evacuate, evacuate. If, if the emergency responders say evacuate, evacuate, move. Because if you decide to ride it out, you're on your own. You're on your own. And then after the storm is over, they're going to be coming in your house, your demolished house with body bags. So you, you want to uh, you want to leave this. Okay, just in Hillary Clinton to speak at Riverside Church in New York about her faith and the election. I don't know. Uh, that's another story for another show. I'm just it just popped up on the screen here, folks. So uh, because I'm totally totally talking about Miami right now uh, and the epic damage and the total car carnage, total carnage. Uh, some things in the Caribbean on some of these islands have been totally demolished. Um, roads are impassable. So, I mean, you know, but they're going to be uh, first responders, uh, you know, all around these uh, demolished islands to find out, to find any survivors or people who are wanting to be rescued, people who want to be taken away. Uh, to live for another day. The power's out. The roofs are coming off homes, flying off homes. So, you know, get out. I mean, <laughs> live for another day. Hurricane Irma destruction uh, is headed to um, South Florida. 
you know, so uh, that's the George Wilder Jr. show. We are saying, hey, wow, uh, heed the warnings and evacuate. And most people are. I mean, most, I mean, you can, you look at the highways and you look at some of these towns and they're just empty of people. Only thing you see is a lot of wind and rain and water and, you know, just totally, total, total destruction. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank my guests, John DeGarmo and Lisa Overcash. For, for being a part of the show today. I really appreciate their um, participation. All right, uh, this show is not about hate. There is no hate here. Hate has no home here on this show, okay? The George Wilder Jr. Show. And those who value people over profits will profit from those people. Making the world a better sh- place one show at a time yeah the world is in bad shape it is a mess but we have to uh, make sure we keep our sanity in trying to make it a better place than what it is and that's what the george wilder jr show is all about we have about 10 more minutes left into the show am i am i correct okay uh yeah be nice to one another out there it's it's so easy. And be helpful. Help those who are in need of help desperately. Help those who will appreciate you uh, as a person who volunteers to help make someone else's life a little bit better. I mean, you got people out here who will con you in a minute. Well, we need help. They don't need a damn thing. What they're trying to do is get into your pocket. You have to have a, have the mindset to know um, uh, actual people who really need the help and distinguish them from those who do not need the help, who are just trying to play you, play on your emotions, and try to gain your information and uh, uh, financial uh, information, stuff like that. Okay, so watch out for that. Because scammers are out, and they are scamming these people who are in need, who are in need of help. So you have to watch yourself, because the scammers are out, they're trying to take advantage of all of this. Uh, the hurricanes, the destruction, uh, your need for for help, scammers out there, and they are working over big time, pretending to be that they're Red Cross, pretending to be that they're some sort of uh, sending them money. Don't do that. They're out there. They're going to try to play on your emotions, your ability, your, 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 your ability uh, uh, and um, rebuild your life. They're out there. They're going to try and do it. You know, so be careful out there. The scammers are out there big time. You know. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. You can follow me on Facebook. Follow me all. I'm all over the place. Google, uh, LinkedIn, uh, other places. I can't even think about right now. It is just so emotional. I, I'm just so emotional. And it is emotional thinking about what's going on in the world today. But we have to keep our senses about us. You know, we have to do that. And if we're in a position to help other people, let's do it. Politicians are going to try to politicize this. Politicians are going to try to get votes. Use your help, your volunteering to get votes. They may even try to take credit for what you do. To get votes. 
that's despicable, but we have some despicable politicians. So you don't want them to take advantage or take credit for what you do out of your heart, from your heart. You don't want that. But these politicians will try to do that. And it's a shame. Okay. Once again, I want to thank my guests, John DeGarbo and Lee Silvercash, for being on the show. We're just about off the air. We're going to be off until next week. I mean, we're you know, not going to be on tomorrow or the weekend, but we will be back on Monday. We, we're on four days a week, folks. I'm on four days a week, Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 o'clock to 7.30 p.m., sometimes 8, depends on what's, what's going on on the show. But basically, we're on four days a week, if you know, uh, minus a holiday or so, because we do like to celebrate, and we will continue to celebrate. There's a lot of people out there that do not celebrate holidays. That's their prerogative. That's their business. But the George Wilder Jr. Show, we like to have fun. <laughs> we like to get out there and shake our tail feathers. You know, we like to have fun, and that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know... It's just, life is just too short to feel sorry for yourself. Life is just too short to be lonely. Life is just too short to be depressed and feeling worthless. Life is just too short to feel useless. Have some fun. Having fun and having a great time. Ending all stress. will bring on longevity. You think crying is going to make you live longer? Is going, excuse me, I can't even say, you think crying is going to make you live longer? No, crying is going to end your life quick. Smiling, having fun, doing things that you love, that's going to prolong your life. And that's no joke about that. So we want people to be happy. We want people to laugh and grin and have fun, you know, I mean, if, if for those who don't celebrate, who don't, who think that those of us who do celebrate, they may think we're heathens or something, or we're not going to get to heaven or whatever. But maybe, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> but fun is fun. You know, I mean, I, I think God or Jesus, if there is a God or Jesus, he would want people of, of, of this earth to be happy to laugh, to grin, to, to uh, associate with each other, to talk and to love each other. That's what I think. Heaven help the child who never had a home Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man if he turns back away Kiss the man who has a call. 
doing this show is just about off the air we are on four days a week monday through thursday uh six o'clock to seven thirty p.m six and uh we will see you next week folks we should have a everybody have a great weekend have a great evening bye-bye Computers are fucked up. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.